in the city. You must fight to survive. And also in a cornfield in Indiana. And also at the UN. And also in a drunken car chase. And a train. And on top of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> they go a lot of places. They go north and they go northwest. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched North by Northwest. Getting born in the state of Mississippi. Papa was a copper and a mama was a hippie. In Alabama, she was swinging hammer. Price you gotta pay when you pick the panorama. She never knew that there was anything more than gold. What in the world does your company take me for? Black bandana, sweet Louisiana. Robbing on a bank in the state of Indiana. She's a runner, rebel. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tented Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them today. This is a very special episode. Not only are we covering, like, a classic, classic movie, uh, but we have the man, the myth, legend himself, uh, the of uh, impeccable taste, John Oak Dalton's back on the oh, show. <laughs> you, you're always you're always bringing the heavy hitters in whenever you come well, on. Well, I it's always almost a if I had known a little bit sooner, uh, a great director passed away this week. Norman Jewison, one of my favorite directors, mm-hmm. I would have been inclined to change up from the great Alfred Hitchcock at the last minute and do Norman Jewison. And I don't know; uh, he's not really a household name, but I think I, if I had to choose one of his movies to do for the show, I'd probably do In the Heat of the Night. Sounds, that's, a, that's a familiar sounding movie. Oh my gosh, that's that's a landmark movie of the '60s. But he actually did two movies back to back. You're gonna laugh at this when you hear it. I think. But <laughs> I think it's just never. It's not been made enough. There's not been made enough made of the fact that he made Fiddler on the Roof and Jesus Christ Superstar back to back. Okay. He wow. He did these two great music. I mean, and I love. I love both of them. I watch Jesus Christ Superstar every Easter and uh, Fiddle on the Roof whenever I can squeeze three and a half hours or so out. I like to watch it a couple times a year if I can. So I'm just a big fan. He, and he's just, he, he was so eclectic. He did Moonstruck with Sharon Nicholas Cage uh, later in his career. Yeah, I'm looking at his, uh, I'm looking at his letterbox right now and he's got like, he's got like eight movies that I probably need to cover for this show. And I don't think I've, I'm looking at his list and I I don't think I've seen any of his movies. I think I know I mean I know why I've heard his name now though because of Moonstruck and I weirdly Fist is a movie that yeah, I've, Fist I've is thought a lot one. about because like I, the When I was younger I liked a movie of his that doesn't get a lot of attention called The Russians Are Coming. 
Um, that was, it was a comedy movie that he did. And um, anyway, well, maybe we'll pick Norman Jewison for the next one. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Thomas Crown Affair. Moonstruck, Moonstruck, I desperately need to do for the show. Like, desperately. Oh, I would, if I'm to pick one, though, I would love... <laughs> I would love to watch Jesus Christ Superstar with you, like me sitting there looking at your face while you're watching it. <laughs> so unless I could actually be there looking at you while you're watching it, I don't know if we should do that one. <laughs> if I was just to pick one that I was like, this is a great film that should be watched, you know, by someone who's trying to watch all the great films, it'd have to be in the heat of the night. Although yeah, I, I, I love, much as I love Jesus Christ Superstar, in the heat of the night is a really phenomenal film. And, Really, Sidney Poitier was such a huge star at the time, and it kind of redefined his career. Um, it's very, it's super political, all about race relations. It's just a really tremendous, really tremendous film. So, yeah, we're talking about in the heat of the night, but we'll have to do that another time. Yeah, Poitier is another one that's like I just simply have not. I mean, you you know, we've talked about it multiple times on this show. It's almost like anything that's like pre seventies is like. You can you can almost bet your life I haven't seen it if it's not Casablanca. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, <laughs> so it's well, like we've, had, we've done some good ones, but I think this I tried to actually pick for tonight a more mainstream director in Alfred Hitchcock, where I feel like you know if you're if you're just if you've got a friend that's not really into movies, which you know you and I would never have a friend like that, right? But if we have a friend <laughs> that some wasn't people. into movies, there are there are people that aren't into movies, you know, and they're like, oh, just throw in a movie. If I if if I had somebody like that in my life, um, Alfred Hitchcock would be probably. I mean, they're just such they're such great, just movies with great set pieces, great. Yeah. So I I would just if I was just to be with a friend that said, oh, let's just throw in a movie, I'd probably throw in North by Northwest as a classic film because it just hits all the right beats. And I'm I'm a big Hitchcock fan, which, you know, you. We actually got onto this subject one other time because my original first movie I wanted to do for this was um, Rear Window. Right. Movie that you and I worked on together. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie that comes up frequently because everybody loves it. And when I mention, like, I haven't seen a lot of Hitchcock, it's always like, could we do Rear Window? And I'm like, that is the one I've seen. Like, my dad yeah, so my dad loves that movie so much. It was impossible I, I think you to told me there were it. two movies, that, two Hitchcock movies that you guys watched together. Uh, I, I don't was know if we watched Rose? it together, but I've also seen Psycho. Psycho. That's uh, I, it. I covered Psycho for the show, actually. Yeah, Psycho is pretty much like if it, people don't know much about Hitchcock, they know about that. And I think next is Rear Window. But to me, North by Northwest is such a great movie, and maybe is not in that first tier of films that people think of. It's more in the second tier with like maybe Vertigo, Rope, some of those movies like that. It's not interesting because we, I watched Vertigo part of it for a class, but. Hmm. It's very like I can't remember a lot of the details, and I've noticed that I feel like you ever like look at those like the top 100 movies ever made. Like every couple uh, years, some magazine makes one of those lists, right? And it's always like prior to this, it's always been like, okay, well, Citizen Kane gets to be number one, and we've all just agreed Citizen Kane's the greatest movie ever made. I've noticed that in an effort to sort of veer away from those kind of standings. I've noticed Vertigo has been creeping up the list lately. I swear there was a list I looked at recently where Vertigo was like their number one movie ever made. It made me be like, I really need to revisit this because I don't remember it at all. I just remember vague details where he's seeing 
the same woman who's supposed to be dead another place and then you know it's got the classic like the cameras like zooming out to make the vertigo effect happen and stuff Uh like it's funny because like yeah but other than that i am like like because i was talking to my parents like i'm gonna go watch north by northwest and i was like i've only seen two hitchcock movies and my mom goes like you've never seen the birds and i was like no i haven't seen the birds like what do you want from me (laughs) (laughs) yeah hitchcock is one of those people that if you don't really if you're not really in the movies you still can watch hitchcock movies and still kind of be yeah he's known if you're if you've got a friend that's not really a film person you say alfred hitchcock they'll know who you're talking about whereas you know if you say norman jewison <laughs> yeah norman jewison or like the last couple of movies we did a godard movie we did uh we did tarkovsky and then we did uh uh whoever whoever directed by oh victoria de sica <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah but if you're just talking to a friend and it's not that in the movies but you guys want to watch a movie you could say hey, that's the one hitchcock movie and i think to me this is like the moviest of his movies like with great set pieces it has all of his favorite things in it, you know, a struggling protagonist and an aloof, chilly blonde. Yeah. You know? So it's kind of got all of the Hitchcock tropes in it, and, and it's just, it just bangs along. So that's, uh, so you put it in for the first time last night. What did you think about it? Um, I didn't, it's funny because it's one of those movies where it's impossible to not have seen a couple things from this movie, right? It's like if you're in the movie world at all, you can't not have seen him diving onto the ground while the flame, the the flame, uh, the plane flies overhead. Uh, right. I've seen that. Seen, but I was like, definitely had never been spoiled for the film. Oh, I, really? I I vaguely knew it's like he gets like mistaken for somebody, and it's like kind of because usually you associate hitchcock with like thrillery almost horror but i knew north by northwest was like kind of one of his weird slight outliers where it's more of like a spy thriller drama so i had no clue what to expect and speaking of like people i'm this goes hand in hand with my ignorance of like older movies but i've seen like maybe one other movie that Cary grant has been in and i know he's like such a big deal to people and so it's interesting watching him because I feel like people are obsessed with Cary Grant. Whereas there's I'm like, new, uh, yeah, there's like a new, a new series coming out about his life. I think on, it's called, uh, Oh gosh, whatever his real name is. Oh, like, sure. Sure. Um, if you haven't seen, uh, I mean, that's a pretty late movie for Cary Grant. Cause he's quite a bit older. Yeah. Of his thirties, forties movies, his comedy movies, are really are really really funny yeah like i, I had a really I, I i did sit down and finally watch the philadelphia story like a year or two ago okay which was very enlightening because i got to see young jimmy stewart like just super hot and in his prime i got to finally watch Catherine hepburn do her thing and i got to finally be like oh i kind of get the Cary grant obsession like he's just like i mean he's, he's just the guy you know yeah he's so charismatic <laughs> and suave and when he when somebody like him plays comedy, like he's in Bringing Up Baby and um, oh, what's the one I like so much that he's in? There was just like, I looked through his IMDb and it was just like, he's been in so many movies and I've not heard of almost any of them other than like 
it's like bringing up baby his girl friday philadelphia story yep. and then like it's like kind of a crap it's just a bunch of stuff i've never heard of then all of it's got like 7.5 8 uh-huh. ratings on like imdb so i'm like he's just been in like 30 great movies apparently <laughs> and think about how long because he was in movies in the 30s and 40s and then this is in the 50s and he had movies after this he's in uh trade with audrey hepburn and he's quite a bit older in that so um this he had mo- a very long he had a very long career and there's a lot of touch points in there. yeah charismatic good looking guy that could be funny. And he's like, kind of like a, almost like a George Clooney type guy, in my opinion. Mm, that's a good, that's a good comparison. I, I definitely, he gives me George Clooney vibes in this movie a little bit because he's so quick witted, but he's handsome. It is though. There's like two, and this happens a lot with these older movies, especially where just the ages are truly batshit insane to where it's like, <laughs> Uh, Eve at one point says she's 26 and I was like and I had and because of something that happened yeah. earlier in the movie I had googled how old Cary Grant was when he did this movie which the answer to that is 55 um, I was going to say 50s yeah yeah he's 55 years old and the reason I was looking at how old he was is because he was palling around with the actor who was playing his mom and I was like this woman is not old enough to be this man's mother and so like I googled like how old she was and she's eight years older than he is I was yeah. like holy shit like i think the movie's trying to pretend that he's maybe in his 40s but like he's handsome and to be honest he looks great for 55 but he does look old and it is mm-hmm. like there's like a lot of making out that he does with like with this 25 year old co-star and i was like man this is this is tough because he is charming, but holy shit, he's 30 years old. Than her. <laughs> Nobody blinked an eye at that in the movie. Yeah, that's the thing is like back in the day, all the husbands were like 50 and all the wives were like 25. And I was yeah, like, what was yeah. what was going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I even had this list from Vulture that was like 10 screen parents who were barely older than their kids because it came up when I Googled uh the pairing from north by northwest and there actually is a, this is quite an amusing list i would highly recommend people check it out like you got stuff like when colin farrell when angelina jolie played his mom in the alexander the great movie and she's literally one year older than he is and it's like movies are movies are very funny sometimes <laughs> but i didn't know like it was fun going on the ride because i didn't know what the mystery was i didn't know what the what things were going to conclude to i didn't know this movie was going to be like incredibly horny uh (laughs) like uh i was i kept writing this note over and over last night and i was like i need to ask john if he knows this because because you are you you are around like uh students and stuff sometimes so maybe you maybe you know like more slang than i would guess but do you know what the term down bad means no so it's like uh it's a term people use for like usually when a guy is like really desperately doing dumb shit because he likes a girl so much and she maybe doesn't even like him that much back. So they use this phrase like that guy's down bad. 
And like a lot of my notes are like, Cary Grant is down bad for Ian. Like, cause like <laughs> the entire back half of this movie is him just like refusing to admit maybe they should, maybe they don't need to be together forever. But then it like kind of works out. It's very funny. Like, in the sense, like, and then speaking of funny, this movie's a lot funnier than I would have guessed. Like, one of my yeah. first notes is just like the wordplay and like how, how funny Cary Grant is. I was like, I ex- like, there is like tension in the movie, but. He's like getting kidnapped and he's like, oh, you know, I got like stuff to do. So if we could like hurry this kidnapping along and stuff, I was just like, oh, this is like, like really goofy in a way that again, I don't feel like you see at like Hitchcock, I feel like leans a little bit more towards like thriller horror stuff. So yeah, to be fair, I haven't watched a lot of his stuff and I did want to ask you like, like it's impossible to talk about this kind of stuff without really getting into Hitchcock. Like, I mean, are you a big Hitchcock fan? Would you say? I think when I was learning about movies as a young guy, high school and doing a film major in college, I was a big Hitchcock fan. I I still, you know, I think there's so many movies in the world to watch. I don't necessarily like to rewatch things over and over, even though I watch Jesus Christ Superstar every Easter. (laughs) um, I don't like to rewatch. And I feel like I, you know, Hitchcock was important to me when I was learning about movies. So yeah, I would say I'm, a fan, but I've sort of, I've sort of seen, you know, it's interesting because my wife had not seen, we got to talking and she hadn't seen some Hitchcock movies and we watched movies with one of her friends, uh, especially during COVID we did, we did it over the internet like this, you know, we did, mm-hmm. and we watched a couple of Hitchcock movies in because her friend was a, a big fan and, and it was kind of a rewatch for me, but my wife hadn't seen a lot of, I mean, she's not really a film buff in the way, we would like to talk that we would sit and talk about movies. So um, that's where I sort of came up with the idea that, yeah, it's if you're not a big movie person and you just like to watch a movie, there are good movies to put on. Yeah. And and North by Northwest was one of those. I think when I was a young guy in high school and college that I really, really, I think because of you've kind of indicated the set piece with the uh, crop duster, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just an iconic piece, but also when they go to Mount Rushmore and, you know, there's a couple other, uh, there's a couple other little pieces that are just kind of iconic that I think have been mirrored a lot. So yeah, I ha- I'm a big Hitchcock fan. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say contemporarily, I watch a lot or rewatch a lot of his movies, but historically, yeah, I've been a big, I've been a big fan of his work. And I think it's just a good, you know, when you're learning about movies and getting into movies, his, his, uh, his filmography is a good place to start uh, to learn about. I mean, we talk about Psycho, you know, and it's how much it's been emulated over the years, but some of his other ones as well. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's like you can almost trace, uh, weirdly, you could trace Psycho to Scream with the Mm -hmm. idea of like subverting the expectations, putting someone on a poster and then having the, the balls to like kill them off before the end of the movie mm-hmm. and keep going. That was like the big thing with scream, I guess spoilers for scream. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know about you, but you're obviously an incredibly accomplished writer, but I've noticed that in writing circles, it's like, you can't not talk about Hitchcock because people are obsessed with his like rule of like the bomb under the table. Do you know this? Like, yes, this like thing where it's like tension is created. It's like if there's a bomb under the table and it just explodes suddenly and we didn't know it was there, then that's like really nothing. But Mm -hmm. if you 
show the bomb, the audience has an expectation that it's going to go off. That creates tension, which it's a very like simple advice, but it's not bad advice either. And I'm trying to think of like, cause when we started talking about Hitchcock just now, I was like, I was like, what is the bomb that we see in North by Northwest? I don't know if that applies to this particular film, but like to, I think it's more of thinking about how they just keep ratcheting up the tension, the mistaken idea. Yeah. And then it just keeps going and going and going. I think that's, that's the kind of thing he's referring to. The, the, the moment I was like, Oh, I wonder if this is why John recommended it was just that the fact that he does end up in a cornfield in Indiana at one point, <laughs> I was like, is it the Indiana connection? <laughs> you know, that is, I, I, I forgot that that was in Indiana. I feel like I always think that that's like in South Dakota or someplace, but no, yeah. that was a good, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I just was like, I, it's, you see, you so rarely see Indiana in movies. Well, maybe right. not rarely. I, I think Indiana weirdly crops up more than you would think. And I have a pet theory about that in the sense that, I think phonetically Indiana is a actually satisfying uh, state name to say, which is why I think it's a specific that comes up in movies sometimes, but just kind of funny. I actually to agree see with that because I've always said um, we don't make as a, as a Hoosier people, we don't make enough. We don't make enough of the fact that somebody had a hit song and rhymed, you know, God didn't make little green apples and it don't rain in Indianapolis. <laughs> it was funny how somebody rhymed little green apples in Indianapolis. And, or that's, there's that song, Indiana wants me. You yeah. Know, there's well, it's like that, one of our, one of our most famous fictional uh, robbing figures. all the banks in the state of Indiana uh, <laughs> song about market square arena. That was about a girl in Indiana. Yeah. So, there is something about the word Indiana that people like to put in songs and movies. The Hudsucker Proxy, uh, the guy um, is, uh, Tim Ro- Robbins is from Muncie, Indiana in the movie. Mm. There's so, a... there, I think there is something to saying the word Indiana or using Indiana to represent, you know, it is the crossroads of America as, as the state used to call itself. So maybe that's part of it. I always say like there's a, one of the most famous fictional figures in pop culture. His name is Indiana, Indiana Jones. like. <laughs> That's, you know, I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> so, uh, so you like the crop dusting scene in Indiana? Yeah, it's just it's just always fun. I mean, also just like very clear, very funny to, you know, where I'm from, where I went to high school. My school was literally in in the middle of a cornfield, uh, like quite literally surrounded on all sides. So it's funny to see Cary Grant go to Indiana and then dive into a cornfield. I was like, yep, that, that, that tracks for Indiana, I guess. <laughs> Is there, um, I think a lot of times, like, uh, I've been doing a lot more like free flowing episodes lately where we just kind of talk generally about the movie, but I also do have like my notes for like, as the plot goes along, I didn't know if you, wanted to sort of go through the movie beat by beat or just kind of keep it like a sort of a general conversation. Oh, I, love hearing, I love hearing your uh, breakdowns of the movies. I like hearing what you think and how you, uh, how you talk about, because you know, all the movies that we've done together are things that I've seen a lot over the years. And, sure. so, oh, and so just to hear just a fresh take on, especially someone that's never, never seen it. Yeah. Uh, so I like hearing what you say about it. So I just assume <laughs> listen to that for a little while. Uh, before we dive into the movie, one thought I did have was how do you feel about this movie in comparison to, cause I'm not as hip to like, I think you can kind of trace some of the noir 
threads of like the 40s and like into the 50s like there's like traces mm -hmm. of that throughout this movie yes. but i've noticed that people also talk about this movie somewhat in the same conversation as like the james bond oeuvre and things like that and i didn't know if you had any any like thoughts as far as that because of like a spy thriller kind of to a certain extent it is but i also think it's more of a that, the, that noir tradition of of paranoia around the protagonist who um it is it's a case of mistaken identity and he gets in more and more trouble and people are trying to kill him and so in that way i mean he's not Cary Grant isn't the most capable of heroes all the time in the way that James Bond is. So I guess there was a, there's spy trappings around it, but to me it fits more into the, like you mentioned, the forties noir uh, theory. Yeah. But also the globe trotting element is, is something the globe that, trotting. That's a spy kind of thing. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you don't see that a lot where he, I mean, he's, I think this movie starts in New York and he ends up on Mount Rushmore by the end of it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and really the movie doesn't i notice a lot of the letterboxd reviews really like calling out the uh phallic symbology of the train going into the tunnel in the last mm -hmm. shot which is like uh... you know <laughs> when i was looking up some trivia about the movie just so to refresh my memory one thing i speaking of that one thing i never caught on to is martin landau who plays the assassin mm-hmm that Martin Landau was playing that character as gay, which I never, I never read that into it, but he had talked to Hitchcock at the time that he wanted his motivation to be that he was secretly in love with, I think the James Mason character. Mm. He sort of went with that. And that was what was, that was what he used to drive his character. And I, I really don't see that, but I, but maybe that is, maybe there's something to that. Definitely. There's some other symbolism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause he's the Leonard sexually character. charged. It, it's funny. So I was actually, it's weird that you mentioned that because I watched this movie on Tubi and something about the way it was on Tubi, literally you get that last shot of the train entering the tunnel. And I guess there's no credits for this movie because it immediately on Tubi cut to trying to play the Maltese Falcon and like without me pressing anything, it just immediately fired up the Maltese Falcon, uh, which is a movie I have actually seen. I covered it for the show and well, you're starting to see, you're starting to see a lot of movies now. Yeah. I think that when I was first on the show, you hadn't seen quite as many, but you're starting to, you're starting to build up your uh, repertoire. Quite a bit. <laughs> I'm you really try are. I'm trying. Uh, but Peter Laurie in that movie, a lot of the discourse around that film talks about how Peter Laurie is gay in Maltese Falcon. And like, I watched Maltese Falcon and if I hadn't read that people insinuated that that i never would have guessed but a lot of it has to do with like this haze code era shit where yes they couldn't be explicit about it but because it's like still something the filmmakers thought about like they were using it to sort of like color the way they were playing characters but they didn't yeah ever like explicitly show that stuff so it's it's I just funny that like i that, could definitely that see that thing. in maltese falcon i could definitely see that that's interesting yeah i think a lot of things had to be I mean, coded, I guess, would be the best way to say it. There were a lot of things that had to be read between the lines, even as late as the one that, you know, the studio movies in the 50s, you know, you had, like this one. Well, there's had, a, there's uh, another movie that I've been meaning to cover for the show, uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. And okay. I've noticed that people tend to think of that as a gay movie, even though it's not explicitly gay. It's like the kind of movie your mom likes, but it's like, 
a lot of people that are sort of like hip to LGBTQ culture are like, oh no, it's like one of the gayest movies ever made. They just <laughs> never actually consummate it because they, I mean, it, it is a nineties movie, but uh, like, it's like, I don't know. It's it's funny to like the subtext is like, it's cool that they were doing that, but it sucks that it's like, it can't be a little bit more like obvious about it. And it's, I don't know. Like, anyway, it, that, that's funny. Cause I, I truly thought like, not knowing where the movie was going. I thought Leonard was about to fucking kill, uh, uh, what's his name? Van Dam. Uh, mm. and I was just like, I was like, Oh, he's, this guy's doing a heel turn. Like what's going on. And then the, <laughs> the, the blank thing. And it's funny. Like if I ever watch it again, I'm like going to be interested in watching land because Landau does kind of look longingly at Van Dam a few times in the movie. That's definitely going to like shape, uh, future viewings of it for sure. <laughs> but yeah, there's something fu- creepy or funny and weird off about his performance. He's like it? also just a great actor. Like he's one of yeah, those like is. Martin Landau's like if you look up his his IMDb, it's like this dude fucking worked for decades. He's in everything. Till he was like, an old man. Yeah. It's Til like he was an elderly man. And he's he's got like a really iconic look. He, I mean, I was like, what do I know him from? I, I finally realized what it was was uh he's Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood and I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right." Uh, I, uh, my, where I remember him from so much is, uh, the old mission impossible TV show. Mm. He was in the original with Peter Graves and there's Martin Landau, Barbara, uh, I can't think of what her name is, but he plays a Roland hand. I think his name is, (laughs) he wears disguises and things like that. And he, he was that character in the original miss impossible miss mission impossible TV show. And then he was, uh, when I was a little bit older, he was in the Space 1999, which is about the most dour science fiction television show. <laughs> That's you ever watched any episodes of that? It's very gloomy. That sounds kind of fun, though. Uh, yeah. But really, the, the, the spotlight for this one, it's Cary Grant, and we're meeting him. And my note for this is just Cary Grant, the busiest man on the planet, because we're just getting, like, just machine gun dialogue as he like talks to his secretary about all these meetings he has very funny to just be just the non-specific of i'm an advertising man i'm just like okay right. all right mad men like I, like i just like <laughs> you never really get any specifics of like they kind of use it as like a shorthand to like explain why he's so like charismatic and charming i guess but it is just like just the vagueness of advertisement man is, is funny like i i always kind of hate when jobs are so like broad like that uh but i mean it, it's fine he's like he's talking to his secretary like i i couldn't even begin to like rattle off all the like funny little quips that he says he's got like funny lines about how his mom will smell his breath so just tell her he's going to be drinking and all this stuff but for now he's uh getting lunch at the oak room which is like where I mean this plot jumps off pretty damn fast. You want to talk about like screenwriting rules and like inciting incidents and stuff like that? It's like second scene he raises his hand because he needs to call his mom, uh, which is insane. It's like you're looking at this like 55 year old man and it's he's just like I must call mother. Uh, but it, it's like he raises his hand right when they're calling for. Wow, I've already because like there's like so much with the Kaplan. George Kaplan is the is the name that he's mistaken for and he gets pulled aside by these two guys which i believe is landau and the other guy and they drag him over to this mansion and we get this like 
just this weird back and forth where he's uh, James Mason plays uh, Philip Van Dam, although we don't know he's Van Dam yet. Uh, they, they basically menace him. They're like, "You're George Kaplan. We know you are." Uh, this is like one of those. <laughs> this is probably the most James Bondy element of the movie in the sense that they simply cannot be arsed to actually just whack this guy. It's always got to be some kind of convoluted Doctor Evil trap that they like set him up with because <laughs> like, it's like they have this spy that they've been like wanting to get for a while and they think it's Cary Grant. And instead of just like shooting him and rolling him down a hill, they're like, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pour an entire bottle of bourbon down his throat. And then we're going to like try to make it look like he crashed his car, uh, which is just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I just love this weird setup of, uh, it's like I've never seen someone pour a glass of the, when they're pouring the glass of bourbon. Sorry, I'm like all over the place, but uh, <laughs> it's like at first he starts pouring him the drink, and then it just keeps going. <laughs> it's like I was like, wait a second, what is happening right now? Uh, and it's also like, why are you wasting a glass if you're going to pour the whole bottle down his throat in anyway? But it's <laughs> a good point. There's a line I have here. It says, not that I mind a bit of a abduction, uh, where he says, where he's kind of like, let's, let's hurry on. I've got like plans and stuff. Uh, he, I, I like when the first tip off that this movie was going to be kind of goofy was when he sort of like so says something to them and then just tries to like open the car door and it just doesn't open. He just kind of like, uh, <laughs> well, that didn't work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just impressed with how calm, uh, he was and then the they they question him but he's basically like look i don't know who the hell george kaplan is but of course they're like oh wow what a great performance you should be on mm -hmm. the stage in the theater like we know you're george you did the thing so we're gonna i guess kill you with with bourbon in a car crash but thankfully uh back in the 50s i think people like Cary grant were were uh pretty pretty hard drinkers so maybe yeah, he's, he was gonna be fine yeah <laughs> yeah so a fifth of bourbon is is light work for my man Cary grant uh he kind of snaps to a little bit and we get truly one of the most insane uh chase sequences i've maybe ever seen put to film where i'm watching a man who has been had like an entire bottle of bourbon shoved down his throat like crazily get chased by these two guys <laughs> while he's just drunk we're just watching I'm, i feel like i've never seen something like this before where it's just this drunk driving thing and he's just it's all you know like rear projection and all that like weird uh the way they used to like shoot car stuff back in the uh -huh. day but at the same time like the way he's like swerving and going all over the road was like really stressful <laughs> like i don't know like uh do, do you remember like when this like drunken car chase was happening like i don't know if maybe like the first time you saw it or like do you have any like strong thoughts about it uh it's a unique set piece i think um and it's funny too to see cary grant playing somebody smashed out of his goal <laughs> yeah just, the way he plays it's very funny yeah it was pretty cool <laughs> he does like he kind of inadvertently gets away from these guys by like getting in a car crash with the cops who are now chasing him as well and they drag him to the police station. He's still just absolutely hammered. And we get some like funny stuff with like him on the phone with his mom. He's like, where are we? Cove point police station. Yeah. The morning. Okay. And then like, it's one of those things where 
watching these older movies is kind of funny because it's like just the way the police station works and the way the his like court hearing i guess the next day works or even just the fact that because they didn't have like super advanced technology back then he has to like sit down with a, an actual doctor who's like tell me how much you've been drinking okay well i i think that qualifies for you as intoxicated when <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like i guess i had a joke somewhere in my notes that was like oh i didn't realize they actually punished drunk driving back then although there is a throwaway line later that his mom is like just pay him the two dollars or something like that <laughs> i was like i don't know i feel like we used to take drunk driving a little less seriously yeah. than we did it was, it was a more comedic thing and and <laughs> nowadays we don't consider it that funny but yeah there was a lot of funny duck drunk driving back then <laughs> but long and short of it is essentially these i i can't remember if they're, if they're like from libya or wherever where i don't remember where they're supposed to be from i guess they said the cold war a few times although this is this is before russia so i don't even know what war they're referring to uh because like the professor at a few times says like the cold world the cold war is still going but germany maybe i don't is is is, is van yeah, damme supposed to be german hmm, that's a good question i don't know i actually don't know where these guys are supposed to be from uh i mean and maybe we've been fighting russia for a lot longer than i thought uh <laughs> i mean he doesn't read as very russian in the movie but it's it's neither here nor there essentially they think he's a government spy and they're like the bad guys quote unquote they try to off him he survives and then like takes the cops to the house where he was abducted but they've like kind of covered their tracks so he just kind of looks like an insane person and so yeah. the cops just kind of dismiss the case and he's like what the fuck and his mom is like not having it she's like so uh just like like man that's your son <laughs> like you said he was about to be killed like what kind of relationship do you guys have uh, <laughs> um but he he drags her to the hotel room where they had like said that kaplan was staying and he gets like some he gets like some clues here and there he finds like a suit that's shorter than he is so he's like okay so this guy's like shorter than me but we get we surprisingly get a reveal as to what's going on with george kaplan a lot earlier in the movie than i would have guessed but uh probably the highlight of the hotel scene is he gets a call from the bad guys and they're like we know you're up there and then he goes to get in the elevator and they're just there and they get in the elevator too and it's like super awkward and then his mom is like you're not trying to kill my son are you and then everyone in the elevator is like oh i was like what is happening right now <laughs> but then he runs uh I, I love this taxi driver he hops into this taxi and he's just like he's like i need you to take me to the un i'm being followed can you lose him the guy just goes yep i was like wow yeah. <laughs> what a guy <laughs> but yeah, new york cabbies yeah he basically got information that townsend who he thought the house that he was at was this guy townsend's house and so he goes to visit townsend at the un because he wants answers but when Townsend comes up, he's not the same guy. And Cary Grant's like, what the hell? You're not the guy I saw last night. And while he's like in the middle of like trying to finally, he actually shows the, the, uh, he found a picture with like the bad guys on it. And he shows the picture to the UN guy. And then UN guy, like at the second he sees the picture, it's very funny as a first time viewer, this scene, because the guy like gasps 
and like clutches his chest. I was like, seeing a picture gave him a heart attack, and then he like slowly turns and reveals the fucking knife in his back. I was like, what the hell? Uh, and then like even worse, which is just like the the how quickly this movie ratchets up is insane. I mean, I guess he was already attempted to kill, but literally, I'm telling you, John, like I'm watching this movie last night and. Townsend goes down. Cary Grant fucking grabs the knife and pulls it out, and he's just standing there, like holding it like a guy in a slasher movie. And I literally slapped my own forehead, like, like just I couldn't help myself. I was like, and I was like, God damn it, Cary Grant, what are you doing? Uh, like, and then that's they, a movie's movie right there. When you have a scene, and like then that. they even get a picture of him holding the knife. I was right. like, Come on, dude, <laughs> you never grab the knife uh but yeah he makes a run for it and this is where we i was kind of surprised by this because because i was just like well what's going on here and the movie at this moment decides like we're going to cut to this council and they're basically going to expo dump all over the audience and say mm -hmm. george kaplan yeah he's a fake guy that we made up to just keep them like chasing something that doesn't exist but now that carrie grant has sort of stumbled ass backwards into this plot they're I guess we're just going to let them chase him around. And there's like some funny moments where like the lady's just like, uh, hope you'll be okay. Sucks to suck. I guess like, <laughs> like my note just says, these guys are dicks. <laughs> like, they're just going to let this guy die, which it's like, they try to like justify it by being like, well, if he's in danger, that means our agents not. And we need our agents to live. Cause we've literally had multiple people die doing this so it's like you get it but it, it is very funny and callous funny. in a weird way <laughs> yeah speaking of like set design though um this is where we get a lot of like the sequence at the train station and mm -hmm. i was like man i just don't know it reminded me a little bit when we did bicycle thieves actually for the show where i'm just curious like are as everyone in this station an extra or was it just like they just kind of went for it like i just there's so many people it's like kind of jaw-dropping like how busy this station is like i didn't know what to make of it yeah i'm assuming that that was all extras but uh i don't know i would assume that they would just use a lot of extras that a lot of movies back then seems like you know in the pre-cgi era they would just have tons of extras in movies yeah up. it's like my dad my dad really likes that movie ten commandments and oh my gosh and those yeah there's a lot of real people in that it's there's not just so many bodies on screen sets. like and it, there's giant sets that they built for that it's not fake you know yeah um but it, it was just crazy a lot a lot of fun with him running around the station but eventually he gets on the train and this is where we meet sort of our other main character uh, it's funny because her real name is eve marie saint but she goes by eve kendall in this movie she's you know of course drop dead gorgeous and like awesome it's a hitchcock frosty blonde that he likes to have tippy yeah head. there's a lot of uh there's a, lot of, and... there's a lot of hitchcock stuff about his blondes and mm -hmm. all that stuff and it's like i'm not gonna get into the weeds about like the troubling aspects of hitchcock but people people, people <laughs> there that are know, some no. for sure it's like part of the reason i feel like i i'm not that keen to watch the birds is i've just heard so much about like the misery that is it tippy hedron that's in that movie mm -hmm, like, tippy what, like what she had to like endure for that it's just like i feel like it would leave like a sour taste in my mouth to a certain extent but 
Uh, no, it's neither here. He nor does there, feature a brunette in that as well. Suzanne Plachette is in that, which is what it was by secret crush as a teenager. Suzanne Plachette, <laughs> young Suzanne Plachette. But Eve Kendall, I mean, she Harry Grant's great, but I do think the the movie really picks up steam once she gets introduced because yes. like, and she ends up becoming even more of a plot point than I thought. Uh, but she's just immediately like kind of flirty with Cary Grant and she lies for him. And so, you know, me as a first time viewer, I'm just like, mm. she, she, she pops too much for me to not know that she was going to be like a character. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? But I, I still yes. was like trying to figure out what was going on. And so she lies and I was like, why the hell would she lie? And then she makes sure that he like has dinner with her and they have like this again, like, cause you never know with like older movies. Uh, I was surprised by how horny the the conversation they have in the dinner car was. Like, mm-hmm. it's not subtle at all. Where she's just like, because I think, yeah, that's right. Like, one of the first things Cary Grant says to her is like, he not very subtly says like, yeah, I don't know if I want to if I want to know your name because then I'll have to, I'll want to have sex with you. And I was like, whoa, Carrie, like, <laughs> what the hell? You can't just like say that to someone. But then she's kind of like. Yeah, well, you know, maybe you should know my name so that we can like get it. I was like, okay, so she's like game for this. He's like, what is happening? <laughs> That's funny. I just was like surprised by how brazen they were. Like usually, you expect a little bit more like dancing around it, but Cary Grant's a little more Doris Day stuff. Going yeah, on. Cary Grant's not fucking around. He he just is like he does have a fun line where he's like he's like, so what else do you do besides lure men to their doom? And I was like. Good, good call there, Carrie. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's at least self-aware that he knows this situation is truly insane, but he's kind of like, "Hey, man, like mm-hmm. you see this lady? Like, how could I not?" Uh, and I was kind of mm-hmm. like, "I get it, Carrie. I get it." <laughs> but uh, she invites him back to the room, hides him, like some funny business with him, like stuck in the overhead compartment and all that stuff. And then we truly just smash cut to him they're like awkwardly leaning against this wall and just like whispering sweet nothings to each other and like making out i was like okay yeah. we're just getting right into it uh <laughs> i i was like okay so and and because this is like a spy thriller my mind's like working overdrive at this point because i was like even the movie is acknowledging like this isn't just like movie trope stuff where it's like the leading guy and the leading lady are like kissing because that's just what they do. It's very like even you can tell Cary Grant is like kind of taken aback by how game she is to the point where as an audience member, I'm like, okay, so like something's going on with her. Like she's like secretly a bad guy or mm. something. And then sure enough, like as soon as I had that thought, you see her like sending a note to to uh van damme i was like okay so she is a bad guy little did i know the movie had a second twist in store for me so kudos to them i i actually did not see the 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 second layer of that coming i just thought she was going to be straight up bad um but basically she uh sends him off she's basically like look we got to split up but you need to get on a bus and just go to Indiana and wait here, which I was like, what? Uh, yeah. Special shout out to them in a public bathroom uh, with cream on their face, like fully shaving. Just a truly insane <laughs> visual in terms of like what the world used to be back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And, a, and like a funny beat with him with his tiny razor 
like trying to trying to shave <laughs> um but yeah i have a note here that says that like does because there's the the camera lingers on her like clearly feeling bad for sending him off so i was like okay so she like feels something for him um but yeah, speaking of like this movie is like wall to wall with like really crazy stuff this like supposed bus stop in the at, in like the middle of the cornfield is like <laughs> the the bus stop itself is seems like so incredibly illogical it like ma- it kind of made me laugh out loud i, I don't know Yeah, because there's nothing <laughs> visible around when he stops to, I mean, there's no where would anyone come from to get on that bus yeah, there but then another guy does show up to get on the bus so i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> i do like this bus stop scene because like every car that goes past uh goes past you're expecting something and Hitchcock even hits more beats of this than you think, because usually it's like one car, two cars, and then the third mm-hmm. car is the thing. It's just the rule of threes. But I think at least three, two if not, or I think at least four, it's, it's three or four cars go by. And then like a fifth car comes wheeling around the cornfield and drops a guy off and then like very frantically backs away. So you're just like, what is going on? And then Cary Grant approaches this guy. And then he's like, yeah, I'm just waiting for the bus. And Cary Grant's like, yeah, so am I. Secret codes, right? And the guy's kind of like, yep. And then the bus shows up and he gets on the bus and leaves. And you're like, what? <laughs> so that was nothing. Uh, and then finally we get our plane, which again is like, what's the bad guy's plan here, John? Like, what what, what, are, what are they doing? <laughs> it's just a set piece. You know, it's just an exciting, fun little bit of cinema, really, is what it is. In my it opinion. is great. It's it's phenomenal. Like, it's like, tr- and I can't even imagine back in 59, like, seeing these images on screen. It must have been stunning uh, mm-hmm. to see, like, Cary Grant, one of the biggest stars in the world, like, diving into a ditch while a plane flies overhead and, like, shoots a machine gun at him and stuff <laughs> but it, it is like it's wild how they even get here in the first place uh mm-hmm. and then also uh the the way he ends this is the plane like just fully crashes into an oil tank it just, and yeah, it just augers in <laughs> it's like what is <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> it was so amazing i loved it uh but it was very silly <laughs> and, and then carrie grant just fully steals a car and just like the added layer of the fact there's a fridge strapped to the back of it is just, you know, another, it just, you know, sometimes there's like stuff when I watch movies where I'm just like, they didn't have to do that, but they did. And it sticks out and it's fun. Like the truck didn't have to have a fridge strapped to it, but it adds a funny layer to it. And it also Mm -hmm. makes the truck more recognizable. Like when you're look, when you see the cops are like, sort of like, looking over the truck because you're like okay so he abandoned the truck but that's the truck because it's got the fridge in it it's it's just easy to recognize but so presumably there is a throwaway line and i i didn't have the chance to rewind it because the app i was using was weird but i would almost swear to you that at some point there's like a throwaway line where somebody says the drive from chicago to indianapolis is like an hour and i was Mm. like the fuck it is uh but maybe, maybe he wasn't going to indy i don't know maybe it was just like a little ways into indiana where where he landed but i was like because i'm driving up to chicago next uh month uh for from fort wayne and it's a fucking three hour drive yeah <laughs> for me and that's it's a, like four that's and a, a half a modern me. car <laughs> yeah 
I don't even know how slow stuff was back then. So right. calling bullshit on you, Hitchcock. You haven't done. Yeah, they didn't have. Uh, <laughs> they were still building the highway system in the fifties, so you know there were there weren't a lot of main roads like there are now. Even yeah, um, but he does get back to Chicago. He goes to the hotel that Kaplan was supposed to stay in. Finds out that Kaplan supposedly left. We already know Kaplan's not real, but Kaplan left in the morning before. Eve even had a chance to call him. So now he knows Eve's dirty. And then he, of course, just happens to see her in the lobby and gets the shittiest hotel clerk in the world to just be like, yeah, she's in room 436. I was like, bro. <laughs> I was like, you cannot give people's room numbers out. Uh, they, they try to smooth it over by having like Cary Grant do the slick, like, because he watches what floor she stops off on. He's like, my friend Eve, she's on floor four whatever and the guy's like yeah 436 i was like no <laughs> but we get a really fun scene here where carrie grant barges into her room and the tension is really awkward because she doesn't know how much he knows and we know that he knows she's dirty and so there's like a lot of layers going on here where he's like being like happy-go-lucky and being like we're, we're gonna stick together baby and just going to be me and you from here on out and you're like oh god like i don't know where what this is driving towards i guess uh but eventually she sneaks out while he pretends to shower and then he does like the classic pencil trick where you like rub a pencil on a piece of paper that somebody mm -hmm. wrote on to like reveal yeah. uh, <laughs> we wrote a lot of secret codes back in the day that way. <laughs> i just like feel like you got to press down pretty hard to especially for as clean as he was able to get that address. But he had heard her on the phone, like making plans to go somewhere. And so he shows up at this auction and then like, it's just all the bad guys are there. And so he kind of comes up and he says some mean stuff about Eve. At this point, I think she's like a special operative or something. And the fact that she started like tearing up when he was like being rude about her, I was kind of like, okay, relax. Like it gotta be a little tougher than that in this game. But Come to find out later in the movie, it's revealed she was just some person who happened to start hooking up with Van Damme, and then the government was like, hey, you should work for us now and be our spy, which is truly insane. Uh, like, It's like she has no special training whatsoever. Uh, the government uh, is like low-key the bad guys in this. IMO, but <laughs> they're 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 bad. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, Hitchcock was British, so he didn't have any particular love, I don't think, for American law enforcement. So fair. What was the, I have a line here that says, "How was in your room?" Sure, isn't everybody? Oh yeah, that's right. Because Van Dam says he was in your room, and. Cary Grant says, yeah, isn't everybody, which is just like, you know, low-key, like, uh, shaming her, which is kind of brutal. Mm -hmm. We get what we don't realize is a plot point here where uh, they bid on this statue. It's, like, very important that they get this statue. And then we come to find out later the uh, soon-to-become cliche microfilm is inside. Yeah, I was going to say the microfilm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, microfilm is just a very funny word to see used, like, seriously. But it's one of those now in your uh, in your library past. Did you ever work with microfilm, or was it already gone by the time microfilm, we, film, all of that? We actually, or your library era. 
in our genealogy department, we do have a microfiche department. Uh-huh. Uh, still, still exists at the Fort Wayne library, <laughs> but yeah, microfilm is so like, it became so cliche and like movies where it's like, you've got to get the microfilm. It's got right. all the government secrets on it or whatever, but th- th- this is a fun sequence where Cary Grant sees that if he tries to leave, he's fucked. Uh, mm-hmm. There's bad guys waiting for him at every exit. And this is probably his most like brilliant sequence in the movie, honestly, where he just becomes an utter nuisance at this auction, which is like both very funny, but also because you know his plan is to get escorted out so that he doesn't get fucking killed is right. it's kind of brilliant. Like, I really like this little section where he's like messing with the auctioneer. He's like, $2, 18, that thing's not worth 12, $5,000. The guy's like, please, sir, you're being unreasonable. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. My note just says being an utter shit at the auction. Uh, <laughs> but he does get escorted out by the cops who of course immediately get diverted by the government. We meet the guy who's like only credited as like professor, uh, Leo G Carroll. He mm-hmm. sort of intercepts Cary Grant tells Cary. actually is kind of a funny exposition scene, right? I like, cause he starts to tell him what's going on with Kaplan. And then this like airplane noise drowns out them talking. And by the time it ends, they've already reached the end of the exposition dump. It's like, it's kind of a funny way to do it because we already know what's going on. And so now, now, uh, Cary Grant is caught up and he's basically like, look, uh, you totally screwed Eve over. She's working for us. We need you to like fix this. And he's kind of like, at first he's resistant, but then when they reveal that Eve's the one that's in trouble again, I, I have my note that he's down bad. Uh, <laughs> it's like. He's like, shit, I'll, I'll help Eve. And so they concoct this crazy plan where they meet at this like cafe in Mount Rushmore and arrange it so that it's funny. Cause he's like, I demand you turn Eve over, which I was immediately like, if I was a bad guy and I suspected someone of being an agent and this other agent showed up and was like, I'm really mad at her. You should give her to me. I'd be like, okay. So she's like definitely working for you guys. Right. So I was already like, this is a weird plan, but then she fucking pulls out a gun and, and shoots him. And I was like, Oh, that's what the plan was. So <laughs> of course, uh, even on a first time viewing, I don't think they iced Cary Grant here. Uh, mm-hmm. wasn't terribly surprised when he pops up in the back of the car and is like, well, that worked pretty well, didn't it? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. So classic fake killing to make prove that she's actually on the bad guy's side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, interesting sequence when they're in i really like the cinematography here in the woods of like they start kind of far apart him and eve are both in there and they're having this like final conversation carrie grant not taking no for an answer uh he's like no you're gonna run away with me and she's like no i have to like go with the bad guy i'm still trying to get the secrets from him carrie grant's like absolutely not to the point where he gets punched out by the driver and like laid out because they're like, you gotta let Eve go. And I was like, dude, you gotta let Eve do her job. And there, and this, <clears throat> this starts the sequence of the movie where as a first time viewer, I'm like, Harry Grant, you gotta let it go. Like she's, <laughs> she's, she's a spy. She is trying to do her job just because you want to like get with her. You can't, you can't do this. But then of course, uh, 
he escapes and sneaks out onto the compound where she's at and just so happens to overhear the fact that they find out her gun's full of blanks and that she's like working for the government and they're going to kill her. So I was like, oh boy, it turns out this is the, this is the part where the movie got a little ridiculous where it's like, I guess it is a good thing that Cary Grant like wouldn't take no for an answer and showed up and found out that they were going to kill her because now he's there to save her. It was like, it was a little bit silly. I don't know. The maybe, gender maybe politics a are a little, <laughs> yeah, the gender politics are a little unshaded there. They're not, they're not drawn in, in fine ink there. Yeah. Yeah. But it is like, not to make light of, uh, I do really like the scene where the guy like pulls the gun on Van Damme and then like pulls the trigger. I was like, holy shit. I was like, betrayal? Because I thought maybe what was happening was Van Damme was on Eve's side, but his his lackey wasn't. So I was like, maybe the lackey's going to take over and try to kill Eve. But turns out he's got Eve gun that's got the blanks in it. So he's like an old, I can't remember what the, an old something trick, psyop trick, or um, mm-hmm. maybe the word for... It's neither here nor there, <laughs> but, uh, basically they're like, and thankfully Cary Grant oversees, overhears this and he knows that they're going to kill Eve again. It's, it's convoluted. They can't just like shoot her and drop her off a cliff. They're, they like got to wait till she gets onto the plane so they can like do something. All the bad right. guy plans are very insane. In they're movie. very, they're very <laughs> Baroque. Yes. <laughs> but uh pretty pretty fun again i've been kind of like racing through the movie a little bit but the tension in this movie is very good and i think one of the highlights is this matchbook chunk here where he writes a little note on his matchbook we've established that his initials are on the matchbook rot and o stands for nothing and he chucks it over the balcony at her feet and then she sees the matchbook and knows he's waiting for her up there so they he tells her like they're after you they're on to you and like fun tense sequence where she's being dragged out to the plane and waiting for him to like come out with like the car. I, I guess I don't know what the fuck their plan was, but as he's like coming down the stairs, the housekeeper of the year comes out of the shadows and holds him at gunpoint. I was like, what's this lady's <laughs> investment in this? Like, uh, <laughs> and, and like, so we know he's being held at gunpoint and she's pretty much about to be loaded onto the plane. And then you hear these gunshots ring out and you see Cary Grant sprinting across the lawn. He jumps in the car and uh, he has like a funny throwaway line where he's like, took me a while to realize that she was holding your gun full of the blanks. So I knew it was bullshit. And so they try to go through the gate, can't get through. They take off on foot. He has, I think she snatched the statue out of Van Damme's hands as she was running. So they've got the statue. He's got her. They're on Mount Rushmore spoilers for behind the scenes guys they're not really on mount rushmore uh this was a set <laughs> yeah yeah there's no way they could have been doing the stuff that they were doing yeah. it would have been too dangerous <laughs> but we, we, our final set piece essentially is they're all scrambling around on uh mount rushmore and he's got eve and she keeps slipping i do have a i do have a note here that says is eve gonna get to do something productive in this movie and then and then she she just like slips and falls and is like help help and i was like eve continues to be useless like i i just felt bad it was like a classic uh case of and i apologize for listeners there's a fully a train going by outside uh i'm sure that's picking up a little bit uh <laughs> but 
I just, it's like a classic older movie where I don't need a lot. All I need is like for Eve to like punch one guy out or just like kick one guy in the balls. And like, I'm like, cool. She got to like do something, but she's just full damsel in distress mode here for like the back half of the movie when she was like such an interesting, like seductive, like shrewd character to start off with. She just like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. becomes less and less of a character as like the movie goes on, which is a little disappointing to me, but it it, kind of is how it was, I suppose for back then to a certain extent. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I do love that. Cary Grant's wrestling with a guy and just fully chucks a dude off a cliff. And you see this like insane, like falling shot, like into like presumably green screen or something, something. And then he's like, he's got a hold of Eve. He's barely hanging onto the ledge. And then Leonard Martin Landau comes up and Cary Grant's like, help us up. And I had a moment because I was like, I don't know where the movie's going. I was like, oh, was he going to like actually help him up? Like, that'd be kind of funny. Like what a weird turn that'd be. But then he starts like smashing his foot down mm-hmm, on Gary's mm-hmm. hand and then just, phew, he just gets fucking shot and falls <laughs> away. And then up on the cliff, you just see the government guys in some like Mounties and he's like, good shot. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Uh, and then like one of the craziest cuts maybe ever put to cinema, Gary Grant reaches down to yank Eve up off the ledge and we just fully match cut to him, like yanking in her, her into bed uh, on a I, train. I was like, Whoa. like I got like such whiplash because I know it's like kind of an infamous moment, but being a first timer, I was just like, Whoa, 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 we're, we're on a train. Like what is happening? Uh, <laughs> so it's interesting. Cause you, you were a Hitchcock fan or at least knew of Hitchcock, but you'd not seen this one. So um, it's what well, you didn't go in totally cold, like some of the ones we've done before. So what mm-hmm. did you think at the end, having seen a little, have dipped, having dipped your toes a little bit into Hitchcock? Yeah. I, um, the movie was a lot funnier than I would have thought. I think the cinematography was quite gorgeous. Um, you know, it's very grainy and like, it looks like an older movie for sure, but I liked it. Harry Grant's charming as hell. I thought Eve was really cool. I was super on board for her. It was more just like like the tension and just not being sure where it's going and having fun like going on the ride. I was really enjoying. This is like there was a lot of moments where it's always a good sign for a movie when I realize I've gone through a couple scenes and haven't jotted any notes down because I'm just watching mm. the movie and I would like be like, "Oh shit, I need to like write down what happened so I remember." Uh but towards the back half the plot gets a little a little convoluted and a little shaky in the sense that like Cary Grant's like absolute insistence it just feels like maybe there was a cleaner way to achieve what they were driving towards in the sense other than just like yes we want ultimate because ultimately in a weird way this is kind of a love story sort of Mm -hmm. and you Cary Grant really goes above and beyond to like rescue eve and like do all this stuff for her and it feels like there was probably a cleaner way to do it other than him just absolutely insisting that she be with him to the point where he breaks into the criminal's compound and then just sort of happens to find out that she was going to get screwed over and so thankfully he's there to save her it's like there's a way to do it but while giving the other characters a little more agency i think and so 
was a little let down in the back half, but overall, it's a really fun ride. The set pieces are fantastic. There's a reason why I think people talk about this movie still to this day. Uh, well, what would you what would you give it as a rating? Because you usually we usually do ratings. Yeah, the- yeah, we'll do ratings. Um, I didn't know. I'd love to. Is there any sort of like? Uh, well, so was the movie. Is there me, any sort of like I, final thoughts that you had about the movie? I, I think that uh, last couple of times we've been on, we've done some of my my favorite movies, and so I've been, you know, we've uh, you've thought they were good movies, but not you know fantastic movies, maybe. And um, I would say some of the movies we've done in the past are great cinema. But this is like just a great, it's a great movie. It's just a fun, enjoyable mm-hmm. movie. But I, I agree with you. It's not in the, t- I don't think it's a top tier Hitchcock movie, but it's, I, it's one I've always had a lot of fondness for. So, um, you know, I think we're more in agreement. I know I, I shouldn't say that because I think when we watch Bicycle Thieves, you realize that that was a pretty great, that was a pretty phenomenal movie. Well, I would say like, as far as the previous films we've covered, like I was a little hard on Alphaville, but I mean, that's just, that's a, that's a tough movie. Uh, but I, I still think about Solaris all the time. And I think bicycle themes, while maybe not being like a perfect movie for me personally, I think that movie is straight up a masterpiece. Like I see why it's so that's, that's great cinema, but Hitchcock made like a fun movie, a good movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. and then there's just good movies. And that's why I think it's Hitchcock is for people that they just like, they just like to want to put in a movie. Totally. Probably more agree with you. I'd probably give it, on my ratings, I'd probably give it an eight out of ten. Ah, very good score. I think it's I think it's really good. I this is a classic case of like I can really appreciate, especially for the time, what was being achieved here. It's more of a case of like personal taste where I'm looking for more if people have listened to the show long enough, they know that like if you especially if you introduce a woman in a movie and they seem at first blush like very interesting and then you just slowly reduce her to like damsel in st- distress that that's gonna ding that's gonna ding it for me sure because like, i get it i mean it's a product of its time yeah and the, and, that, and the, it just it is what it is but it's like and there's like certain set pieces where it's like but it is like man it's like really contained it's really funny it's like whip smart this is one of those movies where it's like this movie came out in 59 and yet the dialogue just absolutely crackles and it's so funny mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. the the wittiness of everybody like every scene he and eve have together is like so filled with like sexual tension and like funny back and forths like their train car thing like there's a lot of really standout scenes in here i think i think i feel pretty comfortable landing this one like in the seven out of ten zone okay um like it's very very good it's a fun romp it's fun you're right. You're so right in the sense that's like, this is like you throw it on and it's a movie, you know, it's just a fun movie to watch. Like, don't think that hard about it. <laughs> like you don't have to, you just enjoy the, the ride and the set pieces and like Cary Grant, Cary Grant it up. <laughs> well, I think I, then this turned out to be a good, I remember the last time we recorded, we got to talking about at the end about Hitchcock a little bit somehow. And I, that's what I said. Oh, we should do. Yeah, I think we talked Hitchcock, and I think we t- talked Kurosawa to a certain yeah. extent. <laughs> yeah, and so I think based on the fact that Norman Jewison died this week, and and uh, I don't think you have are are that tuned in to him. I think my next suggestion is for the next time is going to be uh, in the heat of the night because we, we 
covered some gender politics in in uh, this with North by Northwest, but you want to look at the racial politics of the '60s with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Real curious what you think about that movie, and and how it uh, maybe is um, and, and maybe relating to today even. So that's my pick for our next movie together. Yeah, I'm excited that, that in the heat of the night would be huge. Uh, you know, speaking of other movies, though, we usually do do recommendations at the end of the show as well. Is there anything mm. that you'd like to? shout out you've already named quite a few great movies so no pressure but oh great uh you know the other hitchcock ones i mean you know vertigo psycho we kind of hit some of the those big ones um i think that if you like uh hitchcock uh some of brian de palma's early work mm. he to do hitchcock so yeah, very very much so <laughs> yeah so i would say if you like hitchcock but you've seen pretty much all the ones you want to see you can try some Brian, early Brian De Palma. Yeah, that would that would probably be my recommendation. Yeah, that that's Hitchcockian that, type movies. That's um, such a good call. No that there's no doubt that I that I riffed off of Rear Window when I was doing Smart House. The idea of a guy trapped in a location that tries to do something to help. You know, in Rear Window, it's a guy with a broken leg, Jimmy Stewart. In my movie, it's Tom Cherry with a home, uh, with a home um, house arrest. Yeah, he's on house arrest. So ankle monitor. So there's a lot of people that riff on those, on those classic Hitchcock movies. But I, I would say Brian De Palma is a good, uh, a good student of Hitchcock, and so I would recommend some early Brian De Palma. Uh, Blowout would be one I would. Oh, play. that's a fantastic movie. Yeah, yeah. Bl- Blowout and Body Double I've done for the Body show. Body Double's another one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and those are those are totally in in the in the Hitchcock wheelhouse. Blowout, a Anything fantastic kind of, movie. Body double. Oh, I love it. A lot of fun, but a little silly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But Blowout is fantastic. Right to the last scene with John Travolta. Yeah. Holy, it's, um, it's a great movie. Yes, there's a great kind of. Not, I wouldn't say it's a twist ending, but at the end he uh, he does something that's pretty surprising to end the movie uh, with his Foley work. Um, you, you know, you know what's funny is uh, you saying Brian De Palma actually did kind of lead me into. I was like, you know, what, like what I think when I think like fun, just slick, thriller adjacent movies these days. I I would say I'm a pretty big champion of the most part for the Mission Impossible series, and he did That's a good he point. did direct the first movie, uh, which I think is quite fun. I think the third movie is really fun, and then any of the modern ones. If you just want like a like slick, turn your brain off. Like Tom Cruise leaping out of a plane from space. Like and and just like the the cast is just stacked to the brim with like yep. good actors. Like I, I, I would totally, agree with you on that. That's just those are like movies. You know, they're mo- a movies movie. So mm-hmm. basically, if you see Tom Cruise is making one of these Mission Impossible movies, you know what? You know, you're going to get great set pieces, great actors, good looking leading man you know it's so i would agree that's a good correlation between north by northwest and mission impossible i think yeah yeah i think they're i think they're a little more similar than people would think and like tom cruise is definitely in that Cary grant adjacent camp where it's just like famous face but I, I, i'm not the i'm not the world's biggest tom cruise fan but man every time he pops up in a movie i'm just like that's a fucking movie star man <laughs> yeah he is he's so charismatic and he's 
he doesn't take himself too seriously. And it's, he's, he is a lot like a Cary Grant. We just don't have those classic stars much anymore, but Tom Cruise would be one of those. Yeah, very much so. Let's not wait too long before we do In the Heat of the Night. Now I'm getting excited now that Norman I, I'm that that's going to be that's going to be interesting. That's going to be a real. I mean, I got to get some. I got to get some Norman R.I.P. I got to get some Sydney Portier in my life. I I'm 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 excited and all uh, right. Yeah, and, and you already like you already the Brian De Palma shout. I think like just fully covers us for like recommendations. I'm like I guess just because I've seen it, a Philadelphia story, not a thriller, but if you just want to see Prime, Cary Grant, James Stewart. Like Catherine Hepburn doing yeah. the thing, they they are fantastic yeah. in that movie. That's a great movie. I would probably if we're going to go back to that. I I'd, I'd probably say Bringing Up Baby. I think is one of the mm. funny. My favorite wife is very funny and has a lot of sexual politics that are funny in it. Yeah, but we're going. We're we're going to take on in the heat of the night next ooh, time. That's going to be heavy. Uh. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I, you know what? I think if we're going to do that, I may, in honor of Norma Jewison, I may rewatch it just. Uh, Instead of just from my memory, I may I'll rewatch it too because I'd like to see, I'd like to see Norman Jewison's movie. Well, you know, you you mentioned Smart House uh, here at the end of the show. We always do plugs. I'd love for you to plug anything that you'd like people to check out. Um, I would. I think last time I was on the show, I might have. It's it. My movie Smart House is streaming right now uh, on a lot of free platforms, including Tubi, which seems like my whole career is on there now. Uh, guess what? I watched North by Northwest on Tubi. So yeah, yeah, yeah everything's <laughs> on there. Um, and I would say since then, another movie I wrote called The Bad Nun Part Three, <laughs> three dropped. And it's something I wrote for the British um, film industry, but it, it is now streaming in the U.S. and it turned out pretty good. So. And it's streaming free in several places, uh, including Amazon Prime. So I, I think it's a good it's a good old fashioned slasher type movie. And I think it turned out pretty good. So um Bad Nun Three. That. Some wow. first my first break into the British market. Oh, <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, are, is uh is uh Scare is Scarecrow County, right? Yeah. Uh, our Scarecrow County and the Girl in the Crawl Space both on Tubi as well. They are on Tubi as well. So all three of them films I've done are on there, which is great. Nice. Yeah. Well, highly refreshing about that, Jake. And thank you for inviting me on the show. No, I always love having you on. It's such a thrill. I love coming on. It's fun. <laughs> I, I, it, we, we waited too long between. We'll, we need to get, need to get this going with more regularity. <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome. And don't let me not bother you about D and D stuff. It's, I'm still, Still on. Oh yeah, to-do we got to play D and D. But yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us here at Clear Tented Classics. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, what a fun time, Alfred Hitchcock, North by Northwest. But that's the end, and so I say my shitty catchphrase at the end, which is, "I'll catch all of you on the flip flop later." Bye, guys. And I wake up in the morning. With my hair down in my eyes And she says hi And I stumble to the breakfast table While the kids are going off to school Goodbye And she reaches out and takes my hand And squeezes it and says How you feeling, hon? I look across at smiling lips that warm my heart and see my morning sun.
if that's not loving me Then all I've got to say God didn't make little green apples And it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime And there's no such thing as Dr. Seuss or Disneyland And Mother Goose is no nursery rhyme God didn't make little green apples And it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime And when myself is feeling low I think about her face aglow and ease my mind Sometimes I call her up at home Knowing she's busy And ask her if she could get away and meet me Maybe we could grab a bite to eat And she drops what she's doing And she hurries down to meet me And I'm always late But she sits waiting patiently And smiles when she first sees me Cause she's made that way And if that ain't loving me God didn't make little green apples And it don't snow in Minneapolis when the winter comes And there's no such thing as make-believe Puppet dolls, autumn leaves and BB guns God didn't make little green apples And it don't rain in